Hi, welcome to Fuzzy Lifts Forever episode 5, where we will be talking about picking a puppy, we'll play a rapid fire game with a guest caller about hybrid animals, and of course there's an animal online of the week. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast and think other people would find it helpful too, then please, please leave us a review on iTunes. That's the best way to allow other people to find our show. Thank you. Here's the episode. Hello and welcome to Fuzzy Lives Forever. A podcast by somebody who knows a lot about animals. And somebody who loves animals a lot. My name is Will and I'm a veterinarian. And I'm his wife, Emma. I am a banana bread maker. Mmm, that banana <laughs> bread is good. I made banana bread this week and we had a crazy thing happen this week. We were just sitting in the kitchen, making dinner, actually watching a video about a veterinarian, and I heard what I thought was a coyote because they make this really high-pitched, like, yowling sound, and I go to the window to listen, and I see this huge burning flame. Yeah, and the neighbor's house was on fire. Billowing flames. Yeah, the the garage was open, and 20-foot flames were coming out of it, so... Will was really yeah. good in the crisis. I was like, what do we do? And Will was like, let's get towels in case anybody's been burned. And he said, you go get the water. What he meant was drinking water. And I was like, all right, I'm going to put this fire out. <laughs> so I panic and I'm running around. I'm like, what? what's big enough to carry water to put out this fire? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is nothing. <laughs> so Will's down there checking on the people and making sure all the animals got out of the house. And I come running down the street a few minutes later with just a kitchen pop. Of water. <laughs> and by the time I get there, the, the fire trucks drive past me. <laughs> you were you were ready to, to go. You did. I didn't want to do nothing. No. no. Yeah. Um. So that was kind of a crazy moment in our week. The person who lived there was safe, and there were no animals in the house, and and the fire department got there quickly and put it out. So yeah, go fire department. It's pretty amazing. Go firefighters. And I guess you're not supposed to actually go to a fire. Is what I've been told since then. Oh, so takeaway lesson. Don't run towards the fire like <laughs> Especially when there's ammunition in the garage yeah. exploding. That was pretty intense, too. Yeah, that was a moment. So that's how our spring is going over here. That, I don't think, is the defining factor. <laughs> it's been going pretty well. It's been getting nice it's and It's starting warm. to get warmer. Yeah. And so that kind of brings us to what the topic for the week is. Mm-hmm. We're thinking about spring. New things, new beginnings. Love is in the air. And we're thinking about maybe, I don't know. Getting a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's one of the most exciting things when you're looking for a dog, when you're looking for a baby dog. And yeah. so what we thought we'd talk about today was some of the the major things to think about when you're looking for a new canine friend. Right. Because this is a popular time of year to do that. Yeah. And so we've tried to break this down into some of the major elements of how to decide on what kind of a dog to get mm-hmm. and then how to actually pick the individual dog too. And where from. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so the the first place, if you're thinking about getting a puppy, mm-hmm. to start looking is in the mirror. Start looking for a puppy in the mirror. Yes. Well, I don't think that's going to help. But the place to try and figure out what kind of a dog you want is to look in the mirror because you want to first ask yourself, what kind of a person are you? Because that really will help direct you as to what kind of a dog to get. What kind of qualities are you talking about when you say, who are you? I think that 
maybe the most important factors are your activity level and the amount of free time you have. Right. So are you like super outdoorsy and you're always hiking and running and, and want a really active dog versus are you a little more sedentary and like to watch a lot of Netflix? Yeah. And if no if, judgment, I do that. Yeah. You do a little bit of both. And so <laughs> yeah. there's kind of extremes on either end of dogs that really don't need a lot of exercise or maybe are happier laying around. Um, we're thinking about the basset hound, maybe. Mm. And then on the other side of things, you've got the herding breeds um, and some of the hunting dogs like Springer Spaniels and then uh, the herding breeds, you know, cattle dogs, border collies, those dogs need a lot. And so if you're thinking that getting one of these active dogs is going to jumpstart your exercise routine, mm. I, I wouldn't necessarily count on it. Right. So step one is be realistic about the kind of lifestyle you lead and what kind of a dog would fit into that. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And then from there, you can ask yourself, okay, I am going to look for a certain breed because while there are always outliers, and as soon as we start talking about breeds and we talk about generalities, there's always somebody who says, well, I have such and such a dog that isn't like that. And we respect that. And so... Disclaimer. disclaimer. There will always be exceptions There will always be exceptions. But there really are some repeatable and frequent behaviors that certain dogs will give you. For example? For example, we can go back to the cattle dog. This is a super smart dog, the Australian cattle dog. Um, it is a working dog by nature, so tends to be a little bit more high strung. And they also tend to be one person dogs. You know, they're, they're likely to get attached to one owner and they'll let that owner do anything to them. But if anybody else tries to mess with them, then they will not be too happy about it. On the other side of the spectrum, you've got golden retrievers, Labrador retrievers. These dogs tend to be better family dogs. They get along better with everybody in general. They're unlikely to nip or bite, whereas dogs like cattle dogs are more likely to round up the grandkids as mm -hmm. they run around the yard. And so knowing those breed tendencies can be at least a helpful way to start, even though there are outliers out there. And you could just do like a Google search and start learning about different breeds and what kind of qualities and characteristics these breeds have, right? Yeah, that's a great place to start. Yeah. So step two is consider the breed type. Right, right. And then, of course, mutts kind of throw in another element because oh, yeah. you can't know for sure. But um, if, if you can see a clear similarity to a breed, then you may have some similar behaviors, but it's certainly more of a wild card if you don't know, know exactly what kind of a dog you're right. getting. My family dog, Bella, was a mutt. Um, I think at one point we did one of those like genetic tests where it comes back and tells you like what type of dog it is. Are those reliable at all? I've heard mixed opinions. Okay. I've heard about people sending the same sample to two different services and getting... Oh, different results. Yeah. So interesting. I don't know. It's it's fun, and and I've seen some that really do hit hit the mark, but uh, but I, I can't say it's it's one hundred percent. So maybe don't put all your eggs in that basket. I wouldn't. In terms of months. Yeah, and months it's are just a little a bit more of do. a wild card on the breed front. That's it'll right. It'll be hard to know. Right. Okay, so maybe you've decided what kind of breed you want, and you're going to get a dog, and you're going to visit the dog. What do you look for next? So probably the most reliable way to find out what kind of future behavior you might expect out of a dog would be ideally to meet the parents of that dog. Meet mm. the mom and dad, because a lot of that behavior, as it is in breeds, is heritable. And so if you can find the two individuals that came together, mix their DNA to make that puppy, it's going to give you the best chance of knowing what the puppies are going to be like. Now, that's not always possible. In fact, it's rarely possible to have both 
animals on site, but that would be ideal. Uh, if you can't meet both of the parents, at least meeting the mother who's more commonly there with the puppies is helpful. Right, because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, that's right? right? That's right. It's true with kids. I can tell you as a teacher who meets a lot of parents. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good way to tell for how, better or for how worse. the offspring is going to turn out. <laughs> and then when you are meeting the litter in there, a common thing I hear is that, oh, this puppy chose me. And people often describe one puppy separating from the puppy pack, jumping into their lap. Right. And and, it feels like destiny. Yeah, it feels like destiny. And, and maybe I'm a little bit cynical, but yeah. I would say that a lot of times that puppy is simply the most extroverted. Or like human focused. Maybe. Yeah, maybe human focused. That's a good another good way of looking at it. That that puppy might be a little bit more outgoing, which can be attractive, but also if dogs have their own ideas, sometimes they can be could be like rebels. They can be a little harder to little train. And so it does depend on what you're looking for. And then on the other side of things, from that really outgoing rebel puppy, you you probably will see a, a fearful or a very shy puppy. Like the runt? Maybe. Maybe a size thing, maybe just a behavioral thing, and that mm. dog will potentially be more fearful, maybe less up for new experiences, and that can present its own challenges. And so my general advice in this situation is go for the middle puppy. Right. And what would the what's the middle puppy usually doing? Like playing with its siblings? Yeah. Just kinda... Yeah. Kind of a, a, mid, a middle ground behavior. So not charging after everything, not going up to every new thing and not cowering in a corner, but a nice balance of curiosity and, uh, and, um, Chill. Chill. Chill, yeah, and chill. Depending on what you're looking for. Because sure. some people might want like a really hyper dog. Right. Some people might want the introvert because they identify on a soul level with that. It's true. Introvert. It's true. Yeah. I'd say from a training perspective, the middle ground puppy would be the easiest yeah. to train. Okay. The middle way. And then from there, number four would be actually doing behavioral tests. And these can be a little bit debated, but basically if you look at, if you pick one of these puppies and you test its behavior, its reactions to things, you can try to figure out where on that spectrum uh, the puppy resides. So, so can we talk about a couple of specific behavioral tests? Like what's yeah. one behavior test? So one behavior do? test you can do is when the puppy's not paying attention to you, you can clap your hands and the puppy should alert and look to you, but shouldn't cower and go scurrying across the yard. Okay. So you're kind of looking to see like, is this a super like jumpy puppy or do they get aggressive when they're startled or do they just notice? Yeah, exactly. And so the puppy should notice and then return back to a normal state because they realize that it's not an actual threat. Okay. So it's a clap test. Uh What else? Another one people talk about is putting a dog on their back. And the theory behind this is that a dog that goes onto its back is more likely going to be submissive and potentially easier to train. And so if you lay a puppy on its back, does it fight, 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 fight? And that is likely the more rebellious puppy, or right. does it let you put it on on its back and let you, you know, touch its feet and do these things that are rub more submissive belly. behaviors? <laughs> yeah, rub its be- belly. And those dogs are more likely to be compliant and let you just a little easier. Yeah, and so those are kind of a couple simple tests to do, um, to to also really just try to get to this question: How outgoing is the puppy? How fearful is the puppy? And look for something in somewhere in between. We did these tests with our cats actually, and they're awesome. We got awesome cats. I, I we can't say 100% it was a behavior test that helped us pick the cats, but we, we do have good yeah, cats. We tested about 60 or 70 kittens. We had a long journey testing It was cats. a little epic. I, One thing I'll say from that experience is that every time we went into the Humane Society, well, the first time we went in, I was really excited and I was like saying hi to all the animals and I was running around. I was using my puppy voice. I was like, hi, hi, hi. 
And and Will taught me that if you do that and you get all the exam- animals really excited, that it's harder to see to just observe them as as they are in their like natural state, uh, which I thought was really interesting. So maybe consider that if you're going into a humane society, is just to kind of sneak in and observe before you start engaging the animals and getting them all excited. Yeah, yeah, and I think that the shelter is kind of an artificial place because it, it a lot of dogs are more fearful there, so it's not so easy, but. If you have your eye on a puppy in the shelter or a dog in the shelter, spending some time with them and like Emma just said, you know, maybe not interacting with them or really directing the energy level with that dog by getting them hyped up, but being calm with them, seeing how they react to you. Maybe a lot of shelters will let you take them on a walk, Mm -hmm. spend a few minutes away from the shelter, spend some time and just see how the dog is with less influence because that can give you an idea of their personality too. Right. And I think this will segue really nicely because number four, we talked about noticing behavior and doing behavior tests. Now number five is where to actually get the puppy. So we're talking about the shelters. Right. Shelters one and shelters great because there's obviously a lot of dogs, a lot of puppies out there who need homes. And there's a bit of an overpopulation problem still in the United States, especially in some areas. So you're always doing a solid by going to the shelter and finding a friend. Um, Right. Although we've already talked about it, it will be harder to know what the breed is. It'll be harder to get an accurate behavior idea and you won't be able to usually meet the parents in the shelter. So rarely will daddy be on the scene. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of absentee fathers <laughs> at in the, the shelter society, setting. Unfortunately. And then you've got breeders. So breeders, I would say not all breeders are created equal. Meaning there's some more responsible breeders out there than others. And into that less responsible category, we can kind of throw the whole Craigslist world. Mm. If a dog is on Craigslist, um, it may not be the most responsible breeding. Of course, there's always the neighbors who have two dogs that get together and that kind of quaint thing. But maybe more often we see people who are breeding animals just to make a quick buck. Yeah. And as a vet, unfortunately, I've seen a few of these parvo puppy time bombs where people go to get these Craigslist puppies from maybe not the most sanitary conditions. And then two or three days later, they break with vomiting and diarrhea and they have to be hospitalized for a week. And they, some of them don't make it. And that's mm. really tough to see. And I think the hard thing is sometimes buying from irresponsible re- breeders only encourages more breeding. More irresponsible breeding. Right. Right. So in those situations, if you go and you, and you see these dogs, maybe they're not in the best condition and you want to save the dog. Oh, it's such a philosophical conundrum because do you save the one dog, but then continue to encourage the breeder to keep doing what they're doing by giving them money? Or do you try and discourage the practice? Yeah, it's tough. So I I think the bottom line is just do your research and call people in advance, ask about their history of breeding other dogs. And maybe the the easiest thing to do here is if you meet a dog you like, and it is a dog from a breeder, ask that person where they got their dog, right? And so kind of look for some references, talk to people on the phone and, uh, and go from there. Or otherwise, the shelter is always a good place to go. Yes. There's always a friend in need at the shelter. Yeah, save a fuzzy. That's right. <laughs> um, one of the, the, the next points I, I just wanted to talk about was... Number six? Yeah, it kind of ties into the Craigslist thing, and that is people trying to give you puppies that aren't yet eight weeks old. That should be a big red flag, kind of a blinking light that says this person just wants to get these puppies unloaded as quick as possible. Right, because... Before eight weeks, why not? They're just not ready. There are some things that puppies will learn from their mothers that they are learning up until eight weeks. And while a week or two might not seem like a big difference, 
in those first few weeks, in the first few months of a dog's life, those those weeks are critical and they will learn certain social cues from their mother that you can't teach them. And so taking them away at six weeks is really doing those dogs a disservice. And so just say no. Before eight weeks, just say no. Yeah. They, Even though they're probably really they're cute. They're so cute when they're six weeks old. Yeah. It's tough to resist. Yeah. But really ask yourself what you are are doing by getting that puppy early. And you're not really doing yourself or the dog any favors. Okay. So just say no before eight weeks. Yeah. Last step. Last step, number seven, lucky number seven, is, is luck itself. And Good luck. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even with all the best intentions and all the best behavioral tests and, and all these things, you can't really know for sure until the dog grows up and there's a little bit of luck involved. Right. It's kind of like choosing a husband. Right. You don't know what you're going to get yourself into, yeah. really. Yeah, you know that. <laughs> you can't always get lucky. <laughs> I think I got lucky. Oh, that's nice. Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, can I do a quick review from the you, notes I Yeah, took? please do. All right. So here were our seven things to think about when you're choosing a puppy. Number one, be honest with yourself about your lifestyle and what kind of dog might fit into it. Number two, look at the breed and the breed characteristics. Number three, if you're picking from the litter, notice how they're interacting with the other dogs and try and meet the parents if possible. Number four, consider some behavioral tests. Number five, think carefully about where you want to get your puppy from. Number six, just say no before eight weeks. And number seven, good luck. That's right. That's a good summary. Thank you. Yeah. And we're also going to put a little bit of a milestone guide on our blog in the next couple of days to help people see those major points for their puppy in that first year of life. Things like vaccines, when to get them spayed and neutered. These are some really common questions. And so we just wanted to have a resource for people that they can check out on fuzzylivesforever.com. And that's pretty much it. Good luck. Good job. <laughs> exciting times this week. You made a game. I did. And we're actually going to have somebody else play the game. Play the game. Yeah. We're expanding our fuzzy universe here <laughs> from the closet outwards. <laughs> so what we've done is we've chosen a friend of fuzzy. This is a dedicated listener and somebody who's really active in our social media. This is a friend of ours, Josh Vega. He lives in Fort Collins, Colorado, and he works at New Belgium Brewery. He has the coolest job. He's such he a nice guy too. Yeah. So we're going to call him up and see if he can play. That's right. All right, let's get him on the line. Hello, Josh. Hi, Joshua. Hi, Emma. Guess Hi, what? Will. Guess what? Am I the next contestant on you... Fuzzy List Forever? Dude, you're not the next contestant. <laughs> you're the first contestant. You're the first contestant ever. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is amazing. I know. Are you ready to play your game? Let's play. Okay. So do you want to explain the game? Will made the game up for this week. Okay. So... You may know there are some hybrid animals out there, right? The most famous one is the liger from Napoleon Dynamite, right? right? So <laughs> that animal is real. So Cross between a lion and a tiger. That's correct. That's correct. And so this game is mm -hmm. called Liar or Liger. And we're going to give nice. you 15 hybrid animals. Some are real and some are All fake. Right. And if you think the animal is fake, you're going to say liar. And if you think the animal is real, you're going to say liger. Deal. Got it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> are you ready? Got it. Is there a time constraint? There like is. This is a rapid other, fire uh, round. Yes. Yes. Rapid so, fire. Oh, and, and if right. you get eight or more questions correct, you win. 
I win. And what's I the, win. What's the I want to win. The, the prizes you're going to be entered into the Fuzzy Hall of Fame. Amazing. That's it. I would love to <laughs> further enshrine myself mostly, in the winner's circle. Mostly honored. <laughs> That's right. So you'll be in the Fuzzy Lives Forever Hall of Fame, and you will therefore live forever. So we're going to start the timer for Liar or Liger. Question number one. A geep mixed between a goat and a sheep. Liger. That is correct. correct. <laughs> a tigon, a mix yeah. between a male tiger and a female lion. Liger. That's correct. A snizzard, a mix between a snake and a lizard. Liar. That is correct. A cocoon, a mix between a cat and a raccoon. Liger. That's incorrect. Ooh. That was a fake. Your next is a zebroid, a mix between a zebra and any other horse or equine animal. Liger. That is correct. Now, a zonkey, a mix between a zebra and a donkey. Liger. That's correct. A hinny, a female donkey and a male horse. Oh, man. I'm going liar on that one. I'm sorry, Josh. You're incorrect. <laughs> A jaglion. Oh. The next one is a jaglion, a mix between a male jaguar and a female lion. Liar. That one was real. Incorrect. Your next one is oh a squidopus. Wow. <laughs> a squidopus, an octopus, and a squid. That's got to be a liar. You are correct. A pizzly bear, a cross between a polar bear and a grizzly bear. Well, you said pizzly, not spirit, so I'm going liar. <laughs> mm, that one's real. Ooh. Your next one is a... And it's called a pizzly. A pizzly bear, yeah. Uh, your next one is a... How do you pronounce that? Dagoti. Dagoti. A female coyote <laughs> and a male dog. <laughs> Dagoti. Ooh, that's, that's possible. I'm going to say Liger. That's correct. That's correct. The next one is a dark. It's a combination of a dolphin and a shark. Liar. <laughs> That's correct. Uh, narluga, a narwhal, and a beluga whale. Liger. That's correct. The last one is a kriegel. It's a cross between a crow and an eagle. Ooh, kriegel. Sounds nice. Um... Timer's going, what the Josh. Heck? Liger. <laughs> I'm sorry. That one's fake. There's actually one more. It's a, it's a camma, a camel, and a llama. A comma. A comma. <laughs> I'm gonna go liar on that one. That one was real, but you got eight correct. Yay! Which means yeah, you won. By the skin of my teeth. <laughs> by the skin of your teeth. Woo! For the win, Josh. Congratulations, you are going to be enshrined forever in the Fuzzy Hall of Fame. Oh my gosh, this is the greatest night of my life. How does it feel? I feel like a winner right now. I don't know what to do. I'm going to pop some champagne. I'm going to celebrate with my golden retriever named Trucky. And life is going to be good tonight. Right on, Josh. Well, thank you so much for playing. Thank you for playing, Josh. Of course. Anytime, guys. Bye. Adios. Alrighty, this means it's time for Animals Online. Yay. 
Last week, I showed you Dogs in Food, mm. the Instagram account where somebody photoshops dogs' pictures onto food. You have to see it to understand. Delicious. Um, we had people comment on those photos on Instagram and Facebook entered to win a prize. The prize for this week we have determined is a haiku. Oh, very nice. <laughs> Will sometimes writes haikus. He'll leave them on post-its around the house. Sure. Um, so for this week, you will get an animal haiku written by Will. Customized for you. And this person is, drumroll please, Devin Errett. Congratulations, Devin. All you have to do is uh, send us your email either through a direct message, Instagram, Facebook, or you can email us at fuzzylivesforever at gmail.com and you will get a haiku. Very nice. These prizes are awesome, aren't they? They're really good. What do you have to do to win a prize next week? I don't know. Do you really not know? I really don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) This has been the same every week. What? All you have to do is comment on the picture of the animal online. Okay, so the animal online for this week is Ludwig the guinea pig. And he is not just any guinea pig. He's a hairless guinea pig. Whoa. Have you seen a hairless guinea pig? No, I haven't lived. I mean, you've never seen one. No. Not in practice or in real life. No. Or on the internet. Here's what I've learned is uh, these guinea pigs are called skinny pigs. Do you get it? Because you can see their skin. Oh, I see. And so if you basically imagine it's like a hairless cat, but a guinea pig. Mm-hmm. But an added bonus is they ha- they do have some hair like right under their nose. So it kind of looks like a mustache. So it's like this hairless guinea pig with a little mustache. And they're just like the perfect amount of ugly cute. I love ugly cute. Yeah. I think that's why I love pugs. I think I need to I see I feel like things. I might be satisfied by getting a skinny pig. You mean that that would be an alternative to the pug? Yeah, like temporarily. So it would be like a fix. Like a fix. Like a fix until you can get a pug. Yeah. Man. Anyways, Ludwig the guinea pig is on Instagram, and he he was rescued. He was an abandoned guinea pig, and now he is an Instagram star, and he's posed in all sorts of funny way with scarves and glasses and... um, When you say rescued, was he like living on the streets? I, I tried to find more information, and I couldn't. Okay. I don't know. I just can't imagine that. Or this guinea pig living on the street. (laughs) (laughs) It'd probably be mistaken for a rat. It would. I think it was probably Humane Society. I see. Rescue. That's fair. Yeah. So, if you want to win a prize for next week, uh, just go to Instagram or Facebook and comment on the picture that I post of Ludwig the guinea pig, and you might win an awesome prize. Could be anything. Could be anything. All right. I think that's it for this week. That's it. That's all. But tune in next week. Because we're talking to somebody special from Colorado State University. Yeah, she's a veterinary neurologist studying the effects of marijuana for controlling seizures in dogs. I think it's going to be cool. Very cool. So we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Fuzzy loves you.